Well, please turn with me in our Bibles this morning uh, to Mark's Gospel. And we're turning to Mark chapter 14 and looking at verses 22 to 25. Mark chapter 14 and at verse 22. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When we uh, look in the Gospels, uh, we are given an account of the life, uh, the ministry, uh, but also of the death of Jesus. And oftentimes when we think about individuals, uh, we think about what they did during their lives. If we're going to remember someone we oftentimes think about what they uh, did, what we uh, experienced, how we related with them during their life. But this morning, as we're turning back to Mark's gospel, we want to see how Jesus calls attention to how he wants to be remembered uh, in his death and why it is that Jesus uh, wants that practice uh, to be developed by his disciples. And this morning, we want to see that because Christ died to bring about a new state of existence. We are to live in remembrance of his death. We want to think about these verses in two thoughts, and we want to give most of our attention uh, to the first thought uh, this morning. We want to think about the institution or this uh, meal that Jesus establishes that we oftentimes call the Lord's Supper. And we want to think about why Jesus uh, establishes this practice. And we want to think first of the explanation that Jesus gives for why we are to remember his death. And then secondly, we want to think about the expectation that Jesus gives through this meal. So first, uh, we want to think about the explanation that Jesus is giving. Why is he starting this practice uh, with his disciples? And we see part of the reason why Jesus uh, starts this meal uh, this uh, practice uh, through the lens of the occasion or the context in which he does it. Uh, you remember last time we were talking about back in verse 12 that it says it was the first day of unleavened bread. Uh, that it was a time of the year known as Passover. And Passover was one of the great annual feasts of the people of God. It was a feast in which the people of God remembered how the Lord delivered them from the land of Egypt, how he rescued them from the house of slavery. And the Lord had brought many plagues on the Egyptians. Uh, those plagues were a form of judgment, but it also exposed uh, the emptiness of the gods of Egypt. But the last judgment that God brought was the death of the firstborn. And the Lord warned 
uh, the people of Israel. He warned them that he was going to bring this judgment on uh, the land of Egypt. And he commanded them to take a lamb, a lamb without blemish, and to kill it. And then to take the blood of that lamb and to sprinkle it on the doorposts. And that when in the night the Lord came and brought that judgment on the households of Egypt, he would pass over the homes that were marked with the blood of the lamb. That they would be delivered from the judgment of God by the blood of that lamb. And there were truths, there were lessons that the people of Israel were to learn from that. They were to learn, first of all, that it wasn't as though the Egyptians were a terrible people that was somehow made them different than the Israelites. The Israelites were to learn that they too were sinners before God, that they too were guilty before a holy God, that they too needed to be rescued from the judgment to come. And so the Israelites were commanded that they needed to have the blood of the lamb over their doorposts because they were sinners. And so it was, it was a lesson to teach them something about themselves. They themselves need God's mercy. They themselves need God's grace. But when that lamb was killed and the blood was applied to the doorposts, the people of Israel were also to roast that lamb. They were to eat of that lamb. And that was teaching them a lesson as well. It was teaching them that the, the sacrifice of that lamb was to their benefit. That they were enriched through the action, through the sacrifice of that lamb. That while the lamb died, it gave them life. And so this whole ceremony was, it was vitally important for the people. Because it brought about their rescue from Egypt. But more than that, it began to form them. And in terms of their understanding of who they are, they are a people who have been delivered from the judgment of God. They are a people who have been formed and framed by God's grace. They are people who have life because of God's provision in the lamb that he had given for them to sacrifice. And so in all of these ways, the Passover was, it was central to the life of the people of God. It was one of the great feasts of the people and something that every year they practiced. And when they practiced it, it became the custom that the youngest person at the home would ask the question, what makes this night any different than any other night? And then the host of the Passover would explain to them, this is what makes this night different. And he would recount the story of the Lord's deliverance from Egypt, how the Lord rescued us and brought us into the promised land how the Lord delivered us from slavery. That all of this was highlighting something of what they were to be shaped by, a continuous reminder of God's works. And you remember that in the Gospels, it tells us that Jesus made great efforts to have the Passover. We, we highlighted how Jesus took great care to make sure that he had celebrated the Passover with his disciples before he went to the cross. If you turn to Luke's gospel, it tells us that Jesus says that he had earnestly desired to celebrate the Passover. Why? Because he wanted to show the disciples the fullness of what the Passover was about. The Passover was not just about a deliverance from Egypt. 
The Passover was pointing forward to the deliverance from sin. That the Lamb of God was not just something that was sacrificed a long time ago. The Lamb of God was pointing forward to Jesus. That all of this ceremony was actually anticipating God's salvation. And so Jesus takes this most important meal in Israel's faith. Takes this most important feast that frames and forms their sense of identity. And Jesus uses this as the occasion for instituting this meal. Because he wants his disciples to think about his death through the lens, through the window of the Passover. My death is the Passover fulfilled. That's what Jesus is teaching them. And when the disciples, as with any Passover, and they ask, what do these things mean? There was a whole order of how this, the whole Passover ceremony was celebrated. And there would come a point when this would be explained, as it says in the law of God, they were to explain uh, the whole Passover. And now Jesus is going to get up and to explain the Passover in a way that his hearers have never heard it before. These disciples are grown men. They've heard the Passover story many times. Jesus is going to tell it very different. Take, eat, this is my body. They've never heard that before. They've heard the Passover story, but Jesus is telling the Passover story in a way that centers back on him. And this is uh, shaping their understanding both of Jesus's death but also it is meant to shape them as well. So Jesus here is taking the occasion of uh, the Passover to help explain his own death. Uh, he is the Passover lamb whose blood would be shed in order to protect sinners uh, from the judgment of God because they too uh, are living in rebellion before God. So there, uh, Jesus uh, begins here in verse uh, 22, and he says, uh, uh, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, take, this is my body. Now, you no doubt have, uh, are aware that this has been a, a source of great controversy uh, down through uh, the centuries in the church. What does Jesus mean when he says, this is my body? Uh, some have taken it uh, very literal that Jesus here is saying that the bread transforms into his physical body. But there's no need or no reason to interpret Jesus' words that way. First, uh, because we have to remember Jesus is physically standing before his disciples. And his disciples would not have interpreted Jesus' words that way when he's physically standing right in front of them. But as we think about the person of Jesus and his uh, two natures, we don't confuse the divine nature and the human nature. That when Jesus says, this is my body, he's not speaking literally that the bread becomes his physical body. Jesus is speaking here representatively. Uh, he is speaking about what it serves. He's explaining the meaning of the Passover. And so we can think about it both in terms of the fact that he's standing in front of them. Uh, that would uh, 
prevent the disciples from that kind of interpretation. But also when we think about how Jesus speaks elsewhere, Jesus oftentimes uses symbolism. I am the vine. I am the gate. I am the shepherd. That when Jesus speaks of himself as the gate, we don't literally think that he's a door, but we understand that he functions as an access point. That he is the means through which we get to the place we want to go. That he opens up an avenue for us to proceed. And so when Jesus says, this is my body, Jesus is communicating to us that he is the provision of God that gives us life. That's what Jesus is trying to get at here. He's explaining it all in terms of uh, the provision of God, even through the Passover sacrifice. So why does Jesus want his disciples to remember his death? This is what he wants to do before he's arrested. This is what he tells his disciples to do in remembrance of him before he goes to the cross. Why? Because he wants his disciples to understand God's provision. He wants his disciples to understand the salvation that God has brought to pass through him. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we can think about uh, the Lord's Supper in terms or through the lens of the Passover. Jesus is intentional about when he institutes this meal. It's as the Passover event is taking place. But we can also think about the explanation of the Lord's Supper through the lens of God's covenant. Jesus, in verse 23, it says he took a cup. Uh, Again, this would have been one of the cups that would have been used during the Passover festival. Uh, Tradition says there would have been four cups uh, that would have been used uh, uh, during the ceremony. And here Jesus takes uh, a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Jesus describes his, this meal in terms of a covenant. A covenant uh, is a binding agreement with life and death consequences. And throughout scripture, God's dealings with his people is always framed in terms of a covenant. That the way that God relates with his people is in this relationship of promise that has conditions, that has rewards, that has threatenings and curses, that it is structured, but it is a binding agreement. And here Jesus describes his, this meal as the blood of my covenant. Every Israelite knew that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But Jesus here uses the blood metaphor to describe a covenant being established. In the Old Testament, the people of God had uh, a covenant with the Lord. God had made promises with them, with conditions that the people broke. They were unfaithful to God's promise. They were unfaithful to God's covenant. And so the curses of the covenant came on them. But the Old Testament spoke of a coming day when God would establish a new covenant. It would be a different kind of covenant in the sense that it would not be one that was broken. It was not one that would be failing, but it would be one that brings about the forgiveness of sins. It would be one in which peace is realized. 
And so Jeremiah speaks about it in Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and I will, for, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. So when Jesus institutes this meal, he says, as he's passing the cup to his disciples, he's saying, this is the blood of my covenant. He's describing a new state of reality that is being established on account of his death. That Jesus is bringing to fulfillment God's promised salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the peace with God that was longed for. It is going to be realized now because this is the Lord's work being realized in him. So Jesus is explaining his, his whole death through the lens of God's covenant promise. He even goes on and says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. The language of pouring is the language of sacrifice. It is the language of death, but it's the language of offering up to God. And so even when Isaiah speaks about the coming servant of the Lord, it describes him as one who poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the intercessors. What Jesus is saying is, is that his death, he died, but he dies in the place of others. He dies as a representative of all those who belong to him. And as their substitute, he takes their sins away so that they can have their sins forgiven. So why is it that Jesus is instituting this meal, this, this ceremony, right before he goes to the cross? It's because Jesus sees his death as highly significant. It is the fulfillment of the Passover theme of the Old Covenant, the picture of God delivering his people and saving them from judgment. It is the fulfillment of God's promise to forgive their sins and to establish a relationship in which they enjoy God's favor. And this, this event in history is so important that it is something that they are to do in remembrance of him. And it's to frame the way that they understand themselves as they live in God's world. So the reason uh, Jesus is instituting this is so that we would be formed by the implications of his death, that we would be able to make sense of who we are and to be able to live before God on the grounds of Christ's death. On the one hand, we can begin to acknowledge I'm a sinner. But on the other hand, I can acknowledge there's a lamb of God who's been sacrificed. On the one hand, I can confess I'm unfaithful. I've broken God's covenant. And yet on the other hand, I can appeal to the fact that Christ fulfilled the covenant. He came to establish the new covenant. And so I begin to make sense of my own guilt. I begin to make sense of my own failings in life. I'm able to live now 
by faith. Because I see what God has been doing. And I see how everything is pointing to Christ. Jesus explains that this meal is important because it is meant to help us understand God's salvation. And so he explains it then through the lens of the Passover and through the lens of the covenant. Uh, And Jesus wants them to do this in remembrance of him. That, That begs the question then. Are we doing this? Are we living in remembrance of Christ's death? Are we being shaped by the implications of the death of Jesus? Or do we carry on life without reference to what Jesus has done, as though it does not touch on our own situation? That we are to be shaped by these truths and to live in response to them. When Jesus gave the bread and the wine to his disciples, it says there in verse 23 that he gave it to them and they all drank of it. Notice how Mark highlights that. They all drank of it. But very quickly after this, Jesus is going to tell these same disciples, all of them, that you will all fall away from me. You will all desert me. You will all abandon me. Jesus knew they were going to be faithless when he needed them most. And yet, he still gave them the bread and the wine. In spite of their own shortcomings, that meal was for them. Because it wasn't, it wasn't only for those who have attained to a certain plateau of sanctification. It wasn't only for those who never failed. Jesus instituted this meal for sinners. Even those who, who had been unfaithful but who recognized their need of a deliverer. Those who recognized their need of a lamb to be slain. And so here, Jesus gives this to his disciples, disciples who are characterized by their shortcomings, disciples who are sinners and who are not perfect themselves. And so when we think about who is it that should be taking part in the Lord's Supper, it is all those who understand what it is about. If you understand that the Lord's Supper is about highlighting that you're a sinner before God, if you understand that God is a God who is gracious and who has provided a a Savior in Christ, if you understand that Christ's grace is available for you, if you believe that, then the Lord's Supper is for you as well. That Christ is for you. And we're to receive him by faith. So the Lord's Supper is something that is explained. It is explained uh, through the lens of the Passover, through the lens of the covenant. But it, it, is, it is being explained here in a meal. Bread and wine. Do this in remembrance of me. Why can't we just hear about it? Why can't we just come and hear the Bible read to us? Why isn't that enough? Why do we need to receive bread and wine? In part, it's because we need these truths impressed upon us. And grace is not something that we naturally 
embrace. Because these things will seem strange for us to actually operate on the basis of. We need to be reoriented, recalibrated by these truths. And that's something that touches us, not just in our minds, but something that we experience physically as well. And knowing the weakness of our faith, Jesus wants this meal instituted so that we are impressed by it again and again and again. You think of a marriage. A husband might tell his wife, I love you. He expresses his love for his wife verbally. But if that husband never touches his wife, he never holds her hand, he never kisses her, he never shows her his love then the wife may begin to question whether it's all just in her head. Is it really true? And here in the Lord's Supper, what is being communicated verbally, that same truth is coming to us physically so that we are confirmed that God's grace is real, that there is a savior of sinners, that God does provide for our needs, that Christ is willing to forgive sinners. And so we are to be shaped by that. Physical touch then confirms the same truth of verbal communication, but it allows us to live with greater certainty of uh, the love that is expressed. The Lord's Supper is meant to reshape our view of the world then. Tim Chester points out each time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we do so as sinners in need of God's grace. We act knowing that we are sinners. We act as children of our Father. We act as the bride of Christ, who are bound permanently in a marriage covenant with him. We act as those who have been joined together by the bond of the Spirit into a new community, the people of God. We act as those who have been liberated and redeemed by the blood of Christ. We act as those who are participants in Christ, dying to self, and living a new life. This is why the church down through the centuries has described the Lord's Supper as a means of grace. It is a way in which God is working in a person's life to bring and to nurture their faith, to strengthen their faith. It is a blessing to them. How? Because it's communicating to them again and again the truths of God's grace. It's forming them to see who they are in light of Christ. It's forcing them to live in light of God's reality. And when we realize that, it, it keeps us from concluding that if we have the Lord's Supper regularly, then it becomes less special. We actually see that it is a regular practice because it is meant to form us. It is meant to shape us so that we live confident of God's grace and so that we live in light of God's accomplishment. The scriptures do warn about the danger of partaking in an unworthy manner. Uh, that is doing so in a way that disrespects the honor and the integrity of God's glory. But that, doesn't, that is not meant to simply serve as a barrier. That is ultimately meant, as Paul goes on to say, to cause a person to examine themselves so that they will come to a place where they want to participate, so that they do honor God in their response. 
And so, again, we have to ask ourselves, do we believe in God's grace? Do we believe that we need God's grace? And do we believe that God's grace is found in Christ? That's what is to shape our understanding of this meal. So there's the explanation that Jesus gives. But there's also the expectation uh, that Jesus highlights. In verse 25, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In the Old Covenant, when the head of the household would celebrate Passover, he would highlight uh, why they are celebrating the Passover. The Lord has delivered us, our fathers, from the land of Egypt. He has brought us into the land of promise. That it, it highlighted both the past, but also where that past was leading to. It was leading forward to uh, entering into the promised land. So here in a similar way, as the Lord Jesus explains this meal, he explains that the Lord's Supper points not only on to the deliverance from sin, but to the gift of eternal life in the kingdom of God. He says, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. The Lord's Supper then does not simply look back, but it looks forward in anticipation of a new state to be enjoyed. Just as we need to be impressed about the reality of God's grace towards our sins, what has happened in the past, we need to be impressed with the fact of what lies ahead. We need to be people who are shaped by hope. Because Jesus here promises that he will taste of the vine again. He will drink it new in the kingdom of God. That the new wine is a sign of abundance, of joy, of God's gladness being realized. And here Jesus highlights and depicts a time in which uh, uh, the kingdom of God is enjoyed in fullness. A time when the Lord will reign as king over the earth. And so Jesus points us forward even as we look back. So this meal is important. It frames our understanding of who we are. How do I deal with my sin? It shapes my, my understanding of time itself. The way I look back. The way that I live now. The way that I look forward. It is with hope. It is with humility. It is with gratitude for the deliverance from sin. And in all of these ways, the Lord's Supper is to be a means of grace. Before Jesus died, he instituted this meal to be done in remembrance of him. He wanted us to remember his death. Why? Because Jesus is saying he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is saying he is the one who establishes the new covenant to bring the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is saying that he is the one who brings benefits to all who receive him by faith. And that is symbolized here in the eating of a meal. Just as we might sit down at a table, whenever you sit down, the next time you sit down at a table, recognize that when you sit at a table, you are acknowledging that you are someone that can't go very long without eating. You need food to live. And when you sit at the table, you are granting the fact that what is to be provided will satisfy those needs. And so when you receive that meal, when you receive of that food, you are saying, this is a provision that I need. Jesus 
institutes a meal intending to do the very same thing, saying that he is the provision and that in him we'll be satisfied because he deals with our sins, because he brings the blessings of God and in him we have life and hope and peace. Are you living in remembrance of Christ? Have you received him as the provision of God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think about uh, the meal that Jesus instituted, we pray that it would uh, help us to understand both our, our own inadequacy, but also to see the wisdom of God in uh, providing us a means by which we might be shaped and in a way in which we might remember more concretely uh, the, the work of our God. Lord, we ask that by your spirit we would treasure up uh, what uh, has been given to us and ultimately that we would treasure uh, the gift of the Lord Jesus. Go before us now, then we pray. Take away our sins in Jesus' name. Amen.